Phil Jones. Can everyone give Phil a huge round of applause? Well, thanks very much for coming. Yes, uh, Phil Jones is my name, and uh, I'm a high school teacher. I've been a high school teacher for quite a few years. Uh, at the present time, I'm um, with uh, the um, with Cassie, which is the centre for the New South the New South Wales Cassie, which is the centre for the advancement of the steady state economy. So uh, I'll declare my that my interest is in the steady state economy. But I'd first like to, to comment that um, the, there has been concern of, of the related problems that we've got with the environment and um, the, the need, the drastic need for change. And these have come, of course, through, um, through the UN and then have filtered down through the state and federal governments uh, to change the curriculum. Now, there's no point in me sort of trying to outline the fact that, or, or to outline what they've said, but they have a series of documents that, that, that have been promulgated by the, by the various government agencies. So, living sustainably, uh, they've come out with this plan just to illustrate that. Um, there is reports. Now, um, one of the things that uh, has come out uh, that we're aware of are the sustainable, sustainable Development Goals. They came out a couple of years ago. Uh, and when they did come out, they were actually um, criticised, well, I'd call it a criticism, in that the goals were, uh, no, they were criticised by uh, various um, agents that were asked to review them, uh, namely the um, uh, IC, ICSU and uh, another one, the International uh, Council for Science, and um, another one whose name I've forgotten. Uh, but what they said was that if these goals were implemented, well, what, what's, what, what is the world going to look like? Um, and so this is my criticism also of the Sustainable Development Goals uh, and how they fail in a, in a way to, um, to have an impact in the schools. As far as uh, what's taught in economics are concerned, if we go through the syllabus, there are various things like environmental sustainability and all of these other things. Pollution is covered, climate change is covered, depletion of uh, of resources and uh, renewable and non-renewable resources, they are all, all listed for study. However, um, the, um, there is no, <coughs> these are not integrated with, uh, sorry, science is not integrated with, um, uh, with, um, with economics as a subject. Economics is taught in years 11 and 12 and certainly in New South Wales and I think in most other states. Um, and uh, the, the two subjects are in silos, science and economics. Um, Joshua Farley, in a book, made a very um, potent point um, when he said economic uh, education should be grounded in science, current affairs and real world problems. So this is basically what I'm aiming to do through uh, a website. Um, I'm calling it a project underway. As I said, I'm working with Cassie, getting ideas from them, uh, and uh, 
<clears throat> what I've planned, what I'm planning is this uh, a Moodle website. Can I just have a quick show of hands as to how many uh, science, how many high school teachers there are? Yeah. Are there any high school teachers? Okay. So just to let you know what's happening in high school, basically these, these issues that relate to sustainability, which is a word I hate, um, they're, not, they're not having any sort of impact uh, as far as the seriousness of the situation is concerned. The, the, the documents that have come out from the state and federal governments, they emphasise the seriousness but when it gets down to the classroom, this just doesn't appear. And in fact, since sustainability was made a compulsory theme across all subjects in all uh, states, there's been barely a change in textbooks. So what's taught is a real problem in the classroom. Uh, economics is taught in years 11, 12 in most states. So. What uh, I'm aiming to do with Jason, who's another uh, guy who uh, I'm working with, uh, is to have a series of lessons, 11 to 12 lessons, um, designed for years 9 and 10, uh, a, a video, and then a series of, of uh, process questions to help the students digest what I've got in the, the videos. Um, so, quickly, just going through some of these lessons. So this is the basic lessons I'll go through. Uh, this is elementary stuff that's normally taught already. And my hope is that because this is basic routine stuff that's normally taught in high schools, this will have an attraction to teachers. And I'll say, oh, yeah, we can go to that website that uh, Cassie has set up. And, and you can sit the kids in front of that and have a, you know, this is thinking as a teacher. Um, the kids can be occupied and I'll learn something. Okay, so they'll learn about food webs, but a period of numbers and so on. All of these things are basic things which are taught already in high schools. Now, uh, here uh, is the steady state. Um, uh, so this perhaps is, is, well certainly is a new thing because students at the moment do not talk uh, or do not learn about what a steady state is. So a steady state is, as it says there, it's a state in which processes continue at approximately the same rate, where we have inputs uh, and, and, and outputs. And an example of this is the production of ammonia. Um, normally the concept of a steady state in science is not taught until people get to university. It's a fairly simple concept. I think students in years 9 and 10 will be capable, capable of understanding it. Uh, another example of a steady state that students would be familiar with is the manufacture of... Um, manufacture of... Oh, <laughs> sorry, this is jumping ahead. This uh, Manufacture of, of steel. These are all examples of a steady state. If, if the the environment remains present for you know an extensive period of time. We can we can identify the students can identify what a steady state is because they study all of this. What I really aim to do is link the economy, um, consumer uh, consumers, producers with the environment, 
so mining, uh, fishing, forestry, and waste, because there in the syllabus, this is this is not done. This is not done in the um, teaching. So I've developed this. Uh, this is just a basic um, kind of concept idea, rather than anything particular. But <coughs> it is uh, taken from. I think it's a Queensland diagram, but here I'm, I'm linking the economy with uh, with the environment, so waste and uh, the cons consumption of natural resources. My time is just about up, but I will focus on the various limits to growth, have examples of how the impact of these um, the, the, these things operate locally, limits of growth operate locally, and um, people are unaware of them, uh, the defects of the problem with the circular economy, how we, we really need to talk about um, the limits of the circular economy. I've got other things here that the students can look at and process. And here it's going to have a look at values, how values it's, that we have and within our society affect our environment. Mm. Next up we have Sitzel Grimstead from yes. the University of Newcastle. 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 Got the wrong one. Newcastle. That's okay. I just lost my slides, but that's probably okay. Um, can, so we, can we find them? No, that's okay. But that's fine. Uh, We're going to see a real educator now. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll start with this image. What, uh, what am I? Hugging yourself. Oh, yeah. that was very nice. Okay, what am I doing now? What am You're I doing? You're making up somebody. I'm in a straitjacket. <laughs> <laughs> and why am I in a straitjacket? Because I'm trying to teach cooperatives in a business school oh, in an Australian yeah. university. <laughs> With that image, I hope you listen and make up your own minds. Um, okay, so the, as you can hear from my accent, I'm Norwegian, and in Norway, uh, the co-op business model is quite mainstream. It's so usual we don't actually even know it's there. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's lack of information and knowledge even there. When I go back now, they don't understand what I'm talking about. And I said, this is really new in Australia. And I said, <laughs> so it's, not, it's, very, it's very interesting to go between countries uh, and, and educate in this space. Um, the journey for Newcastle University and what we are offering, the uh, graduate certificate in cooperative management started in 2015 when we got the new Professor Morris Altman and he uh, has uh, done research in course for 30 years. He's from originally from Canada. And he came in with this big new idea that cooperation is actually probably more beneficial than competition. Uh, so, yeah. so that was the, the basic idea he came in into the business school with. And ever since, I think, um, so, so we had a few takers. 
amongst inside the faculty, but not a lot. We were a tiny little group, mostly Morris, Naps, and myself, and we were uh, doing this kind of on the side of all our other uh, education duties. I'm very proud in a way to say that we have actually managed to get it up and running and it's not evident. We have to fight every single <laughs> every single semester. But it was launched in 2017, last year, and we have three core courses. If you want to know what they are, they are um, introduction to cooperative organization and management. Uh, we have a cooperative law and governance course, and we have a course called social enterprises and cooperative innovation. And uh, we can discuss that later. But we do want to really focus on these courses, focusing on distributed cooperative models. So social enterprises are part of that, but they're not. It's not always evident. And um, they are all online. Uh, in the fourth course you can select from a wide range of courses, uh, general management courses, but also courses from other faculties in environmental and social uh, foundation courses you can see. And so, our journey so far, so we every... Um, so, so, okay, so why Newcastle? Because Morris came, Newcastle has a quite strong history of cooperatives, but the knowledge is and it's, you really have to dig to get get that knowledge and that history up and running again. Um, and I think that's maybe a big job in Australia. <laughs> get that intangible asset that you actually have in, in the country to you know, start to, to have a look at it again. Um, so, okay. And so the last thing I want to... How much time are I talking about? Three minutes. Three minutes, okay. That's perfect. Um, so why postgraduate level studies? That's the biggest uh, issue. That's the biggest question we often get. Uh, and the reason is we have to be very blunt and say it was easier. <laughs> there is no textbook in this uh, subject. Where we, there's snippets here and there that we can pick. Um, there's a bit of research. Uh, not always so good research. We are really, I feel really that the co-op space has more normative reports in a way. But if we are looking at like you know critical research and you know really doing the hard yards, which we are met, we are met with those questions when we do education at postgraduate level. So that's in a way, that's a good training arena for us. You know, we have to really, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, like there is, the, it's a good discussion to have in that space. Um, so, by putting these three courses together and assembling all this material, which is, you know, bits and pieces to create three whole <coughs> courses that you can take over a year part time, I think we have. Uh, really built up some knowledge and, and we, I think I would say from the whole of our hearts uh, in, our, in, in our faculty or in our business school that we want to be a part of the education uh, we say, arena and we, that's the space we, we occupy and we would like to collaborate with others and share ideas with others. 
And we are also very much involved in trying to get all the good new uh, developments in Australia into our learning. So we try to teach cases or video clips or whatever. We use that into our online learning space. Um, and last, um, when it comes to pedagogy, we, you know, online is tricky. <laughs> and, and postgraduate teaching is always very, you know, writing based. We have actually challenged our students to do an online group work where we ask in uh, and different types of group work but in the introduction course we ask them to go together in groups and, and start thinking about establishing a community service board of their own choice. <laughs> and there are some fantastic projects that have come, come out of that and it's about getting together and using the online video conferencing tool, which is a big hurdle for some, because we are not all young. <laughs> so get, actually, they, I feel that we have managed to help people also start using online tools through the education system. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, we were very lucky to have a big kind of bulk enrollment of students from the Farming Together project. I'm out of time, sorry. Um, which uh, were around 40 farmers busy setting up their own co-ops. And that is the most amazing education experience I've had in my life, I think, because it was so, we managed to connect, not with all of them, of course, but many of them. And there were some really interesting projects coming out of that. So we still get emails saying, oh, that group project, there are two councils interested in this aged care facility that we designed as a group. So you know, I don't know, that just, that gave me a lot. And uh, yeah, if you're interested, make contact. I've got lots of brochures. Uh, and the last thing. We are not the only solution for co-op education. I really want to stress that we are one part of the big puzzle. Thank you. Last but not least, Alexander Horton, Econome. Thank you, welcome. Uh, it's actually economy, um, so it's like a play on the current. <laughs> uh, more for you. Um, Sorry, I've mispronounced the That's okay. Um, so, what I'm trying to create with Economy is an online networked um, education platform. And what I mean by that is an online education platform where you can go, you can have a profile, you can connect with other like-minded people and work on mutual interests um, through projects and coursework that is guided by a facilitator. Um, the key difference between our coursework is it's not structured, it's not rigid, it's more based upon completing projects so that's what I'm trying to create with Economy. We're, we're live online at economy.co if you want to check us out. Um, so I just want to kind of just take a moment to look at the current, I guess, education system and what I've just gone through as a recent graduate. Um, so universities, as we all know, and as we've just heard from Sitzel, are highly bureaucratic institutions that are not necessarily outcomes focused on their students, but more so outcomes focused on, you know, Furthering their bottom line. We all know that. Um, <laughs> FYA, the Foundation for Young Australians, just did a five-year report where they surveyed like 
thousands and thousands upon students, and they found that 50% of young people do not feel that their higher education um, adequately prepares the workforce, myself included. You're not, you're not taught basic financial skills, literacy skills, entrepreneurial skills. We're not being prepared for the workforce as it currently stands. Um, Ernest Young, who did a report that was released this year, which I highly recommend you check out, um, called The University of the Future, found that 83% of students are very interested or fairly interested in seeing study-based programs that integrate with work learning um, and are interested in seeing that become a reality. So I think it's fairly clear from the combination of these two reports the students are demanding like, a difference and currently that's not being met with um, our current education system. Um, Um, so, a significant proportion of young people, this results in a significant um, proportion of young people not pursuing meaningful careers. These are the outcomes of our current higher education system. 30% of 25 year olds are under, underemployed and underutilised. 18% um, are juggling multiple, time, multiple jobs just to have a meaningful income so that they can support themselves, myself included. I work 25 hours a week at a furniture store, 25 hours a week at a bar job, which I have to go to after this, and which means I can't come to the conference on Saturday and Sunday, unfortunately, although I'd love to. Um, also, 21% um, are working full-time hours through casual jobs. And what this means is a lot of young people are not getting access to financial benefits such as superannuation contributions, um, you know, advancement schemes in leading to further employment, people who get to go on full-time jobs get access to networking events that are paid for, get paid to go on overseas trips. I don't get access to any of those benefits right now and I'm having to cobble together, you know, multiple different jobs that are all being taxed and it's just, it's just not like, it's, we're becoming jugglers, right? Um, and this is, I think, largely because of our higher education system and, and, and its family. However, I think in the workplace there's a real opportunity to kind of find and um, look for mutual shared value here because it's also pretty clear that as the workplace changes, um, young workers as well as, current, uh, as well as older workers are having to spend increasingly amount of, uh, uh, an increasing amount of their time upskilling um, so that they can kind of keep pace with technological change. Um, this is this is kind of led to two different factors here. So it's been reported in, this, in the FYA report that workers have to spend 13 hours a week just on upskilling so that they can keep pace with their day-to-day -day activities, particularly for young workers as they come into new jobs. Um, these, these tend to focus on um, areas such as business strategy, developing insights from data, problem solving, um, and critical thinking. These are not widely taught in uh, university or our current higher education sector. What's also being, what's also kind of happening is that kind of project management tools such as like Slack, um, you know, Google Drive, these types of things, it's leading to a kind of automation of management processes in a lot of in a lot of workplaces. So typically, these these roles took up you know up to 25-50% of workers' time. That's being eroded and eaten away. So this is kind of dual thing happening where there's less time needed to be focused on management and more time needed to focus on upskilling in kind of long-term critical thinking skills. What I think is this um, 
uh, is a real opportunity for the higher education sector to kind of begin to address those um, desires that I indicated in the first slide of students to go into further kind of workplace and greater learning. And I like to think of kind of the new education sector as needing to adhere to the three P's. That's cultivating a sense of purpose within individuals, creating personalised experiences, and that are guided by practical project-based frameworks. Because I feel the best way of learning is by doing and just giving it a red hot crack, you know? Um, and it's way better to do that in an environment where you're working with people in a, in a cooperative fashion. Um, it's personalised. I prefer dealing with people as people rather than people as people who are being paid to do something because they have to. That helps me with my purpose, you know? So with economy, um, I just thought I'll just spend the last two minutes of my time outlining our model. What we want to do is, and what we are doing, is partner with the combination of socially based organisations, NGOs, um, not-for-profits, social enterprises, as well as industry partners to create mutually beneficial courses. What I mean by that is people in the social organisations as well as the industry-based um, organisations can participate in the courses as well as students, those that typically go to higher education providers. Using the concept of shared value, there's different benefits that kind of industry partners get as well as social organisations get. Social organisations get the benefit of strengthening their industry partnerships so that they can open themselves up to longer term funding from, from corporate based organisations. Um, they get assistance from those that pass through the course to work on their projects and um, work on their causes as well as getting exposure for their cause or brand. Industry partners get the um, benefit of identifying future talent of people that pass through the organisations, people they may want to employ in the, in, in the future, as well as engaging, as well as having an engaging method of achieving their corporate social responsibility initiatives. To build on the point Phil talked about with UN Sustainable Development Goals not having an actual framework, if you use them as a guide to develop specific corporately social initiatives within, say, one of these courses. That's a pretty specific, measurable, actionable um, task you can attach to you and sustainable long goals. Students get the benefit of connecting with like-minded people, establishing industry, industry connections and networks, and learning sustainable practices. And I guess just to finish, uh, to apply this model, and a way that we could apply it in, I guess, Sitzel's case, is she just outlined how she's having a lot of trouble with trying to teach the course she wants to teach. On economy, she could find a couple of social-based organisations that are living the cooperative life, life such as Breadgum out there, and we could probably partner up with a larger cooperative-based organisation such as the Commons Co-working Space or WeWork or something like that to provide development and funding for, for the course, which Sintel then gets to administer to anyone who passes through that course, not having to worry about higher education providers and uh, the restrictions that they place upon her in delivering the course. So I think that's a practical example of how that works. So that's economy. If you've got any questions or want to talk to me after, I'd be more than happy to. Um, I'm looking to find partners in the corporate area. And as I said, I can't make Saturday and Sunday, so.
So if you have $100 million, you have about 10 minutes to talk to Alexander before he has to head off.